Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. Here's Annie for Showreel. And today we uh, we preempted what the show's about today because we were playing Liquor Snatch from uh, our wonderful co-presenter, Dale. And it's all about the age of rage, the punk revolution. And we have Jenny Ross in the studio with me, the filmmaker. G'day, Jenny. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah. Well, let's start off with a, uh, a little... Uh, Ad for Age of Rage. Since you put it together, it's a fantastic piece of uh, uh, sound and visuals. Even the recording companies are shying away from that name tag, punk rock. I don't think Australia's ready for the punk rock image. Australia was highly conservative back then. There was no real Australian culture at all. We're a derivative British culture. We were the children of the Cold War. The doomsday clock being three minutes to midnight. Every one of us must remember to do the same thing. That's what this film is all about. And then out of the blue came this sound and this attitude of fuck you, fuck the world, fuck everything. And I went, yeah. Music was like a backdrop. It was a soundtrack for anger and energy. It was quite exciting going to the gigs and being part of that culture. I just wanted to get as far away as I could from home, school, those people, that world. You know, people with rings in their noses and rings in their ears with a chain combining together, that to me just doesn't, uh, doesn't gel. We were involved in trying to create some sort of social change. There were punks that used to give out food to the homeless. We were a strong presence and the cops hated us and they raided us all the time. Punk as a force, as a vehicle of social and cultural change, is now more relevant than ever. If I didn't have punk, I'd probably be working in a shitty office somewhere and have no fucking life. really look down their nose at us. But you were part of something they could never understand. And the Age of Rage, the punk revolution, which is going to be shown at MIF this year as part of a program 
of uh, films concentrating on uh, music of different sorts and different genres. But uh, punk is more than just a genre, isn't it, Jenny? It's a uh, Your investigation of punk in Australia is quite fascinating because you go out of your way to look at it right across Australia and how it affected uh, places in the different uh, states because it had a different kind of vibe in all the different places, but it was a match to a fuse, wasn't it? Yes, and I think because I was involved in it in the 80s, um, I was aware that it was more than just fashion and music. And I know when I first started making the film and I, you know, I'd tell people I was making a film about punk and they, they'd be like, oh, but what do you mean, like? fashion (laughs) and I just thought yeah some people have no idea they have no idea that it was a culture and a community and yeah and a politic and that's interesting to me as well because uh, uh, whenever something has an effect on the mainstream it is almost without uh, uh, without exception trivialized and Punk. I, I actually remember as a young person uh, walking along the street and seeing in a uh, a window, a fashion shop window, uh, punk as a fashion item in, in the late 80s. And I was thinking, like, this is the wave, isn't it? It's the wave where uh, they turned their back on the actual politic that was being discussed in punk. Uh, the business, when you talk about music, for example... People, uh, it was an important part because it was a young person's revolution, but it was about people who didn't have instruments, people who didn't have uh, music lessons as a general rule. And that was what it was about. You could make music, right? Yeah, that anybody was the could. Yeah. I mean, I actually studied music, so yes, I could make music, but... <laughs> you were allowed, but you, you were given allowed. a license. Yeah. But it was about being given a license. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, all the gatekeepers back then, you know, there were gatekeepers for everything. And um, I guess, you know, music is no exception to that. Yeah. But I think to take, uh, just, you know, take control of your destiny and your, you know, the outcomes that you want for yourself and the people around you, I think it's really important. Well, you contextualise it, don't you, in your film. Tell us about your film. How did you uh, decide? I mean, obviously you were part of the punk movement in the 80s and you decided that uh, because you've got skills that you were going to document it because it was important. Uh, well, it was sort of the other way around. Like I'd made a few short films and music videos. and I wouldn't say I had the skills to make a feature film, but I knew that I would develop the skills by making a feature film. So it was sort of like... Very punk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The essence, the, no, it's the essence, you know, like it, it's being fearless. That's right, yeah. And I'm that sort of person anyway. Um, I wouldn't say to myself, I would never say to myself, oh, I can't do that. I would say to myself, how can I do that? How can I access that? So that's particularly important as a woman, I'd have to say, uh, uh, given the uh, context of the Australian Australia that you document in this particular film. you Because it's a film, of course, you have to find visuals. So tell me about the hunt for visuals uh, and the script that you were writing um, with those visuals. The archival footage? Mm, all of it. Uh, when, when I interviewed people, uh, they would bring a lot of photos and if they had a camera, like a video camera back in the day, 
they would have footage either on Super 8 or Mini DV or something like that. And so it was great because, I mean, a lot of this had never seen the light of day. Um, I know one person in the film, in order to upload his footage to YouTube, he would project it onto a wall and just film that with his phone so that none of it had even been digitised, you know. Um, Yeah, so I was lucky that I had access and people would contact me and send me files as well, send me Super 8s or send me video files. Um, Yeah, so actual videos. So, yeah, I had a, a lot of help from people who were very keen to, you know, allow their world to be exposed. And a lot of the footage was um, licensed archival footage from the National Film and Sound Archive or ABC News Report, news reports across the board. Uh, yeah, so a lot a lot of different, you know, places where I access yeah. footage. And you wrote it. So um, did you have a script that you were or had in mind or did you develop it as you were speaking to people, interviewing people? Uh, it developed as I was interviewing people. I didn't originally it was sort of more about the music but I innately knew that there was a broader story having been involved but the types of issues people were talking about um you know they obviously came to the surface and it was about after six years of making the film that I could see a a thread running through uh the conversations that people were having so I realized that that was the story yeah yeah because uh that uh thing that you say in that that piece that we just played about uh, uh, them not knowing how to make money out of punk. They couldn't work out how to make money out of punk. It was an important issue, that, uh, uh, because people were doing it for themselves. That, that, that was actually a, a, bit, um, a major threat to uh, record companies and their uh, business plan. Yeah, it was very DIY. Um, It's interesting because the people I interviewed are so professional, you know, like, and the whole approach to their music, even though they weren't seasoned musicians, a lot of the time was really professional, like the way they went about promoting the gigs and getting the gigs and they had managers. And so I just think it was one of those things where if – they were doing that 20 years later they might have been able to break through but because it was just such a small sort of scene and just such a I guess particular type of music it's not going to appeal to everybody it appeals to a lot more people now like you know I mean there are huge metal festivals all over Europe now and um, you know death metal and all of that and all of that was just coming up in that time you know, but now it's huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, record companies um, actually uh, fought back by uh, uh, taking a couple of bands and signing them up and uh, and setting different ones against each other. That's how that was controlled. 
That, mm. That's what actually happened. I think that's actually a pretty standard business model. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Uh, but anyway, by the by, that's a, another story, another thing that someone might pursue. But that's not exactly the uh, the entire story because you, in that context that you have of the politics of punk, uh, there's a whole range of things that you touch on, like, for example, the... Uh, the t- a miserable sort of societal backdrop of uh, abused children, for example, you know. Yeah, yeah. That was um, a common story. It was a common story. And I think um, a lot of the reason that those sorts of things happened is because of isolation. So, um, I mean, now, you know, there's Kids Helpline and there's, Beyond Blue, and there are a lot of organisations to support people who need help. And so there's some place where they can reach out, but back then there wasn't. And um, I guess, you know, that's that's as a result of, you know, that experience for a lot of people. Um, you know, that, that generation wanted to change that scenario, and so that's why these organisations exist today for young people to reach out and ask for help. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately that was a, a bit of a theme in the interviews. Yeah, yeah, and but it's also incredibly courageous of them as people to come up with uh, a, a really creative methods of... Cre- of uh, uh, I mean, quite quite besides drug use or any of those sorts of things, this whole thing of punk was an explosion of creativity, wasn't it? It was on every level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, creativity, anger, uh, accessibility, community. Yeah, it was a lot of things. It was like a microcosm of society. <laughs> I liken it to, I don't know if you've heard of the book The Rats of Nim. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, I read it when I was a kid and this might sound a bit bizarre, but The Rats of Nim is a, a story about uh, rats who are science experiments are uh, kept in a cage in a, in a lab and they become a lot smarter than the scientists realise. <laughs> and they escape and they build their own underground world and, you know, they've got their own economy and their own system going on. And it just punk reminds me of that. And the people I interviewed are so smart and they're so educated. And so it was just a pleasure to engage with them, but also to realise that you should never underestimate anybody. (laughs) No, that's exactly right. There's an awful lot of fun and an awful lot of uh, humour involved in, um, as well as uh, self-reflection and uh, uh, pushing back against society, obviously. But there is, there's a lot of humour involved in all this as well isn't because that's a that's actually a mark of intelligence I'd have to say yeah and you can't really avoid that quintessential dry Australian humor I mean that's just there and you know it would be a crime to take it out (laughs) yeah exactly and as I was saying to you when I was preparing for this interview I did there was a huge amount of different um songs like there was there was a song called um I died four times but I don't want to talk about it (laughs) Hilarious! It's just so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, there there are 
There are quite a few funny songs, yeah. Um, I think it's great because it's just such a, well, no one gives a shit. They're like, this is how I feel and that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to talk about, how I feel and this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I really like uh, the animated pieces that you use to link uh, the uh, elements together because your show – it's very handmade in a sense, uh, which is in keeping with the zeitgeist of punk, uh, taking us all around the country. Now, this is quite important because it was actually a movement, wasn't it? That's what you're. Te- that's what you're telling people. It's. It wasn't just isolated people who were saying get back. It was actually uh, a movement. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a universal movement. You know, as um, Willie Ware says in the film, he could go anywhere, and you know, you turn up to a punk show, and and you you've got something in common because you've got a world view in common. So yeah, absolutely, it's a movement. Um, you look at Rebellion Festival now in England. Um, that that's massive, you know. People go there from all around the world to well, see. Well, I, punk bands. I I was riding here this morning, and a young woman got off the tram, and she was directly from nineteen seventies punk land. <laughs> so it's still <laughs> happening, <laughs> which I thought was pretty great. <laughs> and uh, uh, Age of Rage, the punk revolution, which does uh, go from the seventies. It's it it is focused mainly eighties and nineties, but it does have some sort of remnants of the seventies because there was a whole other beginning wasn't it um but uh it's it's the australian version of punk not english or american or anything of that sort like there's is a real homegrown version of punk yeah i i wanted to avoid paying lip service to um other punk cultures i think it's done all the time and it, it was one of my goals to avoid doing that and just make it a purely australian story and I know people have asked me, so who's in it that we might know? Like, I'm like, well, nobody. That's the point. That was my point. <laughs> These are people you don't know about, and that's what the film is about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ex- exactly. And that was actually the politic. Uh, see, it was a very subversive because everybody could do it. Now, that is a completely subversive notion to the individual uh uh, focused uh, society that is dominant at the moment. This sort of idea that of the great leader and all that sort of stuff that's going on, which is completely um, contrary to the needs of su- human survival, basically. Mm. Yeah. I really liked the fact when I was making the film, you know, uh, that I just realised that there's all these people walking around unnoticed because they don't look punk but they've got a punk attitude and they're really smart and they're really educated and I thought that's really powerful you know yeah I think it is I think it is too and in fact I found it quite interesting that you finished the film with uh, some people who were you know live sparks during uh, the uh, um, thing but who have now uh, morphed into quite uh, significant uh, um, operators Mm. in the mainstream but who retain this centre of a punctum, which is yeah. what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the screening at MIF. Tell us what's going on there. Well, I'm very fortunate because all three screenings have sold out. <laughs> Not surprised. 
Melbourne is a se- uh, has a very strong sense of punk. I mean, I, there's a sequence in the film which shows uh, poor old punk people up in uh, Queensland. Uh, someone told me who used to be in a punk band in the 70s that if they ever they went on a tour, because that was the other thing, people would just decide they're going to go on a tour, and that meant they got into a truck, a car, you know, a van or something, and drove all the way up there forever and ever. Anyway, if they played in Brisbane, what would happen is the cops would they'd start playing and then the cops would raid them and then they were every time you know, as people went out of the uh, venue they would just be lined up and put straight into paddy vans like it was yeah, like a that's bus right. like nobody was allowed to be punk in Brisbane <laughs> yeah I think it was actually outlawed at the time of the um, common, was it the Commonwealth Games? I think so too. Oh, no World Expo in 1988 yeah, yeah so it was sort of to look like a punk was illegal at that time. Isn't that bizarre? Uh, I don't even know how it's how it's possible. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I don't either. even know how that can happen. Um, You're allowed to beat that person up. Uh, yeah, yeah, so bizarre. But I mean, it's interesting because Melbourne had a really strong scene with great venues and a good community, and so did Sydney in a different way. And I know that because my brother and sister lived in Sydney, and I would go and visit. Adelaide and Brisbane, uh, it seemed to me that they had to have covert gigs in town halls and um, once that gig had occurred, they couldn't go back to that town hall. It was um, – Yeah, yeah it was because like, they knew. You played yeah. – you were rowdy boys. Yeah, they'd revealed themselves. Yeah. Um, so Brisbane – Always raided by the police, as far as I could tell. They were the stories that kept emerging. Um, yeah, so they'd be, you know, having a gig and 10 o'clock at night the police would come in and it could be a completely isolated, you know, scout hall on a football field with no neighbours, but apparently they were disturbing the peace, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it, that would have been really hard because it's really difficult. A social infection. Yeah, and I think that sort of thing was the same in Perth. They would have to hire a hall. There wasn't such a, a strong scene in the 80s as far as venues, not to say the people weren't there, but the venues and the venue owners. Um, you know, and that's why venues themselves are revered. People look back and say, if it wasn't for this venue, our community couldn't have existed the way it does and have sustained itself. And But it's also, um, to me, it's this fantastic way of using your brains to work out, you know, promotional activities and um, things like uh, having the guts to go to that pastor and say, can I hire your hall? Or uh, someone I know did um, when they had, um, uh, when there was the uh, city square, they sussed out that there was a three-phase power outlet and they just started to play in the city square until the bylaws offices finally Who was this? that was news oh yeah i heard that story it sounded familiar yeah, yeah i yeah. did hear that i think that's hilarious so do i they're hilarious yeah yeah and using graffiti to promote their band <laughs> yeah you know, absolutely but but being chased by asio because they thought they were a subversive force which Maybe i suppose they were, they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if it's sold out, if it's sold out for the three uh, feet, uh, uh, are you going to be showing it again somewhere? Uh, or are they going to have more sessions? I'm, I haven't been 
told about any more sessions. Um, I, I don't. It is going to screen interstate and overseas. There are no um, announcements yet. No official announcements. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know about a fourth screening at MIV. So you must be pretty happy with the results. I am pleased, yeah, and yeah. surprised because it's such an underground film by an unknown filmmaker. <laughs> but, of course, in, I'm from Melbourne and a lot of the people in the film are from Melbourne and there's that community and so, I mean, yeah, thankfully that's an automatic audience and uh, beyond that I don't know who's going to see it. Mm. But But that's important, you see, because... Uh, it documents something that's really important to uh, a lot of people. And the very fact that uh, dressing as a punk or being a punk was considered to be illegal tells you really something about the dark heart of Australian society. Absolutely. Um, I I remember a couple of years ago, uh, maybe it was eight years ago, and I saw this guy with a big mohawk and Doc Martens on a skateboard and he was with a, a woman who was, you know, tartan miniskirt, ripped stockings, Doc Martens on a skateboard, skating down Sonston Street and nobody was looking at them. And I thought, oh, okay, well, there's a cultural shift because nobody's looking at them. But in the 80s, everyone would have been gawking. That's exactly right. Thanks for coming in and talking to us, Jenny Ross. And uh, Age of Rage, The Punk Revolution, see if you can get a ticket because it's obviously the hottest ticket in town. We'll go with, this is a Sydney band, uh, Radio Birdman, Do the Bop.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.